Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Right out of the gate, let's go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. One Peter five verse six. I'm sure all of us have things that are going on in our lives that we're we're dealing with that we're hoping for, that we're praying for. One Peter five chapter five verse number six. One Peter's right next to second Peter, right before second Peter. Praise God. And starting with uh, verse number six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Underline the words, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Underline that. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word of God starts with humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And humility is something that we as many Christians, as Christians, sometimes forget about. Because while we, we should be proud in the fact that we are children of God and that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, one of the strongest uh, uh, um, attributes, I guess, if you will, that Jesus Christ showed was his, was his humility. So we have to remember that we have to be humble in the way we go about carrying out our lives as Christians. We shouldn't have a braggadocio kind of attitude about us. We should know who we are in the Lord and be proud of it and proud, so to speak. I put that in quotes. But, but we should be humble, knowing that God is indeed our Heavenly Father and that we are not greater than God. And we should not be aspiring to bring God down to our level, which we do in this modern age. We tend to want to shape and mold God to fit our social standing. I think, I think it's the Episcopalian Church, I pray for them, um, I read the other day, is now on a move to degender God. And they're saying that because of the fact people are falling away from the church, they want to bring people more back into the church. So they're going to take away the male pronouns that you find in the Bible. God, too, refers to himself as he. Yes, though, to degender that and put some other pronoun. I don't know what. It's Z factor or whatever it is that's popular today. There was a movement some years ago where they tried to, this, they were going to, to take every place in the Bible where it says he, replace it with she. You see? Now, this is where humility as human beings is suddenly very quickly evaporating because we should not be trying to bring God down to our level. We should be aspiring to get to God's level. We are, are, are nothing compared to God. We need to humble ourselves and, and not have the audacity to think that we can actually go through the Bible and change God's gender and believe that people are going to believe that and therefore come to the church. But the word of God says here to humble yourselves, first of all, and then, secondly, then it says, and casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. God does indeed care for you. 
And he wants us to give those things that we're carrying, those things in our lives that are bugging us, to give it over to him. But God clearly does not want us to worry. He does not mean that he wants us to be lazy either. God does not want us to worry. He says to, he says to cast his care, our cares upon him. But he doesn't want us to be lazy about that either. He doesn't want us to cast our care so much on him that we feel no responsibility for any actions that might be required on our part. God does not want us to say, yeah, okay, well, I know I don't, all I got to do is cast my cares upon God, give it all to God. I've got no responsibility in this. I just, just leave it to God, you see. But many times we as Christians get caught up in that thing, and it's wonderful to have faith in God. It's wonderful to know that I can cast whatever's going on in my life, I can give it to God. But don't think that you don't have any responsibility in this, because we do. I think many times we as Christians, we overlook that part. God is concerned about our situations, but he wants to partner with us to bring positive change and results into your life. He wants to be your partner. He doesn't want you to simply just sit back and roll your sleeves up and go feed the pigeons on a park bench and just say, Lord, I just give it all to you and not have any responsibility in doing something and doing some things. First, in casting your cares upon God, remember that you will never, ever, ever, ever find pleasure in doing those things that you don't like to do. It just doesn't make sense. You will not find pleasure in doing the things that you just don't like to do. If you were finding pleasures in them, you wouldn't be in a point where you don't like doing it. Amen. 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 So God, so God realizes that you'll never find pleasure in doing what you don't want to do. So the obvious thing to think then is to stop doing it. What is it that I'm doing in my life now that I'm not enjoying doing it? And if I'm not enjoying doing it, maybe I need to stop doing it. How do I go about doing that? Your responsibility is to stop doing whatever is standing in your way while casting your care upon God. Okay? You can't just cast your care on to God and then take no responsibility and just simply going on, go on your way and wait for him to do something about it. We must learn to cast your care, which is worry and anxiety and things like that, but we can't be afraid of responsibility. You must learn to cast your care, worry, anxiety, etc., but not your responsibility. I'm going to keep dwelling on the responsibility part here. We do have a responsibility. Learning to cast our cares helps us to build and prepare for Jesus' coming. Okay, but you have to realize that, that God is not calling us to simply get ready for Jesus' return. All right. God is not simply calling us to get ready for Jesus' return. He's actually calling us to live ready for Jesus' return. So that brings us to the question, how are we living? How are we living? Do I simply say I'm going to cast all my cares upon God, I'm not going to worry about anything, and I'm just going to wait for Jesus to return? In the meantime, I've got no responsibility for my life. I've got no responsibility on what I say and what I do and how I act in order to meet, to meet the standard that God wishes me to live up to as one of his children. As one of his children. You are part of a physical family. You are part of an earthly family. And most families have some kind of standards by which you live. Most people, have, most families have some kind of standards by which their children are raised. I'm sure you've heard your parents say a dozen times, you know, don't do that, don't do that. That's not how we live. That's not how we do things. Well, God has a standard, too, and God does not want us to just give up our responsibility in that area. While we should cast our cares upon God, he does not want us to simply blend in and do nothing. He wants us to stand out. He doesn't want us to just say, Lord, I'm giving this all to you, and then just kind of fold back into the shadows and do nothing at all. He wants us to stand out. And we're going to talk about standing out. 
It's hard to turn on the TV these days and listen to, or listen to the radio, open a newspaper, or go on the Internet without coming face to face with nothing but evil, with the evil that's going on in this world. You look in every pocket of the world and there's something going on that's, that's negative. I don't know if we're living in the very last days or not because I'm, you know, God says that no one knows when Jesus is going to be returning. But I can tell you one thing for sure, that we're living one day closer to his return. That much I can tell you. I don't know when it's going to be, but we're living one day closer to that return. So in the meantime, we shouldn't just be, 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 be getting ready for Jesus. We should be living like we're ready for Jesus. A lot of Christians are interested in when Jesus is going to return. And I look forward to that day as well. But there's a reason why God did not tell us that when, that exactly when that day was going to be. There's a reason. You don't think God has the ability? Jesus says even he doesn't know when, according to his words in, in the Bible. Only the Father in heaven knows when God is going to tell him, go get my children. Even Jesus doesn't know when God's going to give the ultimate marching orders to go get my children. Okay? He doesn't just want us to get ready for Jesus to come back. Like I said, he wants us to live ready. The Apostle Paul wrote to his young apprentice, Timothy, and described to him what the last days would look like. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Praise the living God. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Casting all our cares. Okay, Lord, I give it to you. Now I'm going to sit back and just rest. I'm going to sit back now and just wait. How am I supposed to live my life? What am I supposed to be doing? Chapter 3, starting with verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, underline that, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, Having a form of godliness, underline, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Underline all of that, please. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, underline that also. Ever learning, but never, but never uh, coming to the knowledge of the truth. If you read through the list of characteristics that we found there, it sounds like a description of the world we live in today. Greed, arrogance, etc., etc. But we also see that as far as part of our responsibility, we should make sure that we are not, we ourselves are not falling into any of those categories. Verse number, um, verse number four, traitors, uh, uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Do we love to have fun? Are we looking to have fun more than we love God? 
Are we drawn away by people of the opposite sex and just going in that direction more than thinking about what it is that God would be wanting us to do relative to our walk in, in life as Christians? Verse number five, they're having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There are people that will try to act so godly and try to act so Christian and what they're saying out of their mouths and what they're talking about is actually denying the truth of God. If you see, you see people that are denying the power of God and, and try and, and, and poo-poo away the wondrous, deeper things of God, the deep spiritual things of God, people that are poo-pooing things away. But yet, are you a Christian? Do you know, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I know the Lord. I know the. You need to kind of shy away from that. Because having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but, but, uh, but uh, 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 not having the knowledge of the truth. Okay? And then it says there um, in verse number... Verse number six, seven, forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. You can have all of the book knowledge about the word of God you want. You can be able to recite back every single book, chapter and verse down to the last uh, uh, period in the Bible. You can have all of that. But if you don't have deep spiritual understanding of what the word of God is saying and have Holy Spirit revelation, then you'll never actually come to, to, to learning and having the knowledge of the truth. It will simply escape you. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to cast all our cares upon God to say, God, I'm giving this worry to you. But, Lord, I want to dig deep enough. I want to get deep enough into you and to you spiritually so that I can come to what the truth is. Okay? God does not want us to just sit back and feed pigeons on the park bench while we're giving all of our cares unto him. So we do have some responsibility. And it says there to turn away. If you're involved with people and moving in circles where they have no knowledge of truth or they, so quick, or they are so quick to deny the truth and quoting scripture the wrong way and saying things that the word of God is not saying, you need to turn away from those people. You need to remove yourself because it tends to rub off on you. Amen? Amen? So we see that a lot of those things that we see there are indeed happening today. Amen? Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Go to Second Timothy. 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. Okay. Shouldn't be too hard to find. It should be on the next page or so. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 4. We're going to start with verse 1 again. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be, be instant or diligent. Be instant in season. Be diligent in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Okay? Let's underline underline a uh, few things here. Underline in verse number two, preach the word. Okay? Then in verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves itching ears. Underline all of verse number three. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We see that happening today. There are people that are just just not listening to what sound doctrine is. They're they're, they're just just pushing it away. And it says here, um, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves having itching ears. After their own lust. So in other words, 
you see people today that are gravitating to doctrine that is going along with their lust or with their or with their wants and their needs in order to fit their lifestyle, which is not in line with the word of God. They will seek out those that are preaching a doctrine that is acceptable to their lifestyle instead of looking at what the word of God is saying. OK, OK. okay? We see that a lot that is going on today. Again, the Episcopalian church, instead of doing what the word of God would say, they're going to try to change God and change the Bible in order to bring people to them that have like thinking. OK, so what happens is that if you're not careful, you get sucked into dealing and being with a group of people that are, are listening to and hearing things that are not in line with the word of God. But because of the fact that it makes them feel good and everyone is agreeing to it, they get sucked into it. And what this is saying here, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust or after the things that they desire, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And that's what we see that's happening. Those people that are looking to find a doctrine that is so suitable to them, but is outside of what the word of God is really saying, they will gravitate towards that particular doctrine and will turn away from the truth. Okay? And I don't, you know, it's like I always talk about gravity. You can't see gravity. You can't taste it. You can't see it, feel it, taste it, smell it. But I guarantee you go up on the roof of this building and jump off head first, you're going to meet an untimely you know, conclusion. Okay, gravity exists whether you believe it or not. And I'm telling you that what the word of God says here is indeed the word of God. Now, whether you believe it or not is to your detriment, could be to your detriment if you do not believe it. Okay, you, you, you can want to, to make God to, to do and believe God is what you think he is to go along with your program so you don't feel so guilty of doing whatever it is that you're doing. But that's getting into a doctrine that is outside of the word of God. And we see people more and more that are gravitating towards that end. They're looking to find someone who will think and, and, and believe the way they do just so they don't have a responsibility to believe God. And verse number five says, um, but watch thou. You watch, watch thou in all things, underline that please, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, underline that, endure afflictions. Jesus said when you have tribulations, he didn't say if, he said when. That means that even though we are children of God, we will have trials and tribulations in this life. As long as we're here on this planet living this physical existence until the Lord returns, we will have times in our lives that are difficult, that are challenging. Be it financial, be it sickness, be it emotional, whatever it might be, we're not going to always live a life that is just peachy keen and peachy smooth. Amen. But we as Christians, we have a way out. When things are not going our way, unlike someone who is not a believer, they have no one to pray to. They have no one to keep faith in. They wind up just going and living a miserable life because they have no way out but themselves, hoping that they can find the answer. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Amen? Amen? So what this is saying here is that Paul, uh, Paul is giving Timothy here some specific instructions on how he is to handle difficult times. He tells Timothy to correct, rebuke, and encourage those around him. So therefore, part of our responsibility is also to encourage those around us. God wants the light of Jesus Christ in us to shine out, not to just shine in. You sit here week after week and you hear the word of God and you're studying and you're reading the Bible, hopefully on your own, and you're praying on your own. So you are getting instruction from God. 
You're learning from God. Your everyday experience, even though some of your experiences may be negative, even though some of your experiences may be bringing a, a lot of headaches and a lot, lot of worry and anxiety to you, you are learning from God. You're learning, okay? You know, I'll tell you something. Every anxious moment that's in your life, every anxiety, every worry about something going on in your life, is a teachable moment. You can learn from it. If you sincerely go to God and just sincerely, sincerely say, God, this is what's happening. I know you're there. Why? What am I to do? Knowing that you as a child of God, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in your life that God is unaware of. Nothing. Nothing. And I don't care how difficult it may be. I don't care what kind of position, what kind of spot you're in right now. I don't care what's going on in your life. God knows what's going on in your life. Part of our responsibility in casting our care onto God is to know that God knows and to have faith and trust that God is going to do something about it. Therefore, it can become a teachable moment. You know, when you get to my point in life and praise God, you know, the years that I have, I have been, I've been so blessed over the years. And, and I'm telling you, and I've had everyone's share of ups and downs and challenges and everything. And all I can do is say to you that at this point in my life, at these number of years, I can look back at several hot spots, hot points in my life and see where I had some very, very difficult positions, very, very difficult challenges going on. And God brought me through. Those were teachable moments. OK, and it would take. Three weeks of sermons for here for me to just go through and, 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 and list every single one of those points in my, in my life where I had challenging, challenging times and God was there. Okay? And that was a teachable moment. It's been a teachable moment to the point that I can stand up here and say to you today with all honesty and all truthfulness that God, is, God has you where I have been. And if God brought me through, so will he bring you through. So your responsibility in casting your cares upon God and worrying, part of your responsibility is knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt and saying, okay, God, this is a teachable moment. And Lord knows, God, know this. I'm ready to be taught, (laughs) okay, because I'm tired. This weight is just too much, Lord, teach me. But your responsibility is to believe what you're hearing from God. And to not be drawn away by the words and and, and, and the, 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 the actions of others. You go to the wrong people for advice. People that don't know the Lord are the, the last person you should be turning to for any kind of advice. Amen? Amen? Because they're going to tell you something that is, you know, very possibly outside of the Word of God. It, 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 at best, it will be something, it will be something that is, not, uh, um, uh, that is not, not contrary to the Word of God, but it will certainly not be supportive of the Word of God. You've got to be very careful where you're seeking advice. Okay. Okay. Now, part of our responsibility also is to know that if you do ask him for advice, because no man is an island, we are not on this planet Earth all by ourselves. You've got to talk to someone. Okay. But if you do ask, ask someone for advice and you're trying to get some pointers, our responsibility is to be sharp enough to discern, to discern the input that I'm getting, the advice that I'm getting. Is it in line with the word of God? Okay. You can cast all your cares upon God that you want. But if you don't take any responsibility for being able to discern, you know, those that have itching ears and those who are following some doctrine that's outside of what the Bible is saying, then you are giving up your responsibility. And you're simply standing back hoping that Holy Spirit is going to, is going to get through to you. 
But if you insist on taking that advice from someone that is, is not someone God would have you talking to, then Holy Spirit can talk to you all day long, but, but you're not going to hear him. You see? You see? So our responsibility is, is, to, is to watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. Amen? It goes on to say here, and uh, uh, well, let me move on to another uh, script in a minute here, but now the encouraging part isn't that difficult. The encouraging part is not that difficult. And I do it every time that I come here on Sundays. I do it through my, through preaching and, and teaching. But when I get in, into the Word of God that is in the correct and rebuke mode, sometimes my sermons get into the, to the correct and the rebuking mode. Sometimes that starts stepping on some people's toes. People don't like to hear the Word of God when it starts jabbing at them. But when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, which is a good thing, sometimes people feel uncomfortable. Many times during a sermon, there may be something that is said based on the word of God that will kind of be a jab. And you kind of, oh, oh, oh. Well, that's conviction. That's Holy Spirit saying, this is a point that you need to listen to. This is a point that you need to consider some reflection and thinking about for yourself. The opposite of that is condemnation. And anything that is hitting you so hard that you feel condemned about, that's not Holy Spirit. That's the devil because only the devil brings on condemnation. Condemning you means that condemnation is something that says, see, you're finished. You made that mistake. You're done with. There's no way you can recover from that. You're doomed. You're just going to die. Just lay down in your bed and don't even bother to get up. Holy Spirit, when you feel convicted, you may hear something in a sermon. You say, oh, boy, I need to do this. I need to do that. All I've got to do is seek the Lord. All I've got to do is pray because God will always give you a way out. He will always, and that's part of your responsibility. God's calling on my life as a preacher, teacher of his word, is to help people grow spiritually so that they can have an abundant life in Christ Jesus. That's part of my job, okay, and why Jesus died on the cross for you. That means that I just can't always tell you what you want to hear. I can't just simply stand up and always tell you what you want to hear and what feels good. When I stand before God at the final time there, then I need to give an account of what I've preached and taught. I'll be responsible for telling folks what they need to hear, not just what they, what they need to hear to make them feel good. So part of our responsibility also is, is, is to listen and to be able to discern what it is that you're hearing. Now, many of you probably sit there and say, now, Pastor, I'm not a preacher like you or Timothy. But what does all this have to do with me? Maybe asking yourself, what does this have to do with me? Well, I'll say this to you. Your life is a sermon also. Amen? Your very life is a sermon. You are a minister. Maybe not with your mouth like me all the time as I'm standing up here, but as a believer in Christ Jesus, your life is a living sermon. Wrap that around your head, or wrap your head around that, I should say. Your life is a living sermon. Your life is a living sermon. At work, at the grocery store, at school, your life should encourage others by showing them the love of God working in your life. And you don't even have to open your mouth to do that. We as parents, our life is a ministry in that we have children that are around us. You know, are you always saying do, 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 but you aren't demonstrating in your life what you're telling them to do? What's that old expression, don't, uh, don't, do as I, don't do as I say, do as I do, or something like that? Is it, is it, or is it just the, just the opposite? Amen? But the whole thing is, yeah, right, don't do as I do, do as I say. Right, don't do as I do, but do as I say. 
Okay? So you're standing up there and you're telling the kid, you stop smoking, you stop smoking, and you're puffing away and you're smoking, and you're puffing on a cigarette. All right, all right, all right? Stop smoking, stop smoking. Can you hand me another cigarette there? Okay? All right? Just do as I tell you to do. Don't do as I do. So your life should be a ministry. Your life is a ministry. How do people see, how do people see you, see you are, are acting? You know, I see, I remember one time there was um, something, something that the boss wanted me to sign that they had written for me, and it was filled with curse words, okay? Filled with curse words. And they said that, well, this was what the employee said. Well, I said, well, you can always put the, the first letter in blank, 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 like you see in the, all, all them little exclamation points and stars like you see in the comic books, okay, but spell it out. And, and I said, well, I, said, I, I don't talk like that. As if you want that letter written like that, then you have to sign it. Simple as that. And it went up the chain and whatnot. I was being a hard time because I'm refusing the boss and not signing that document. I said, I don't write like that, so I'm not going to sign it. That's not my, my lifestyle. When it got to the head of the organization and he read it, he says, I'm going to blame you, blame you for not signing. He said, I've known you for 12 years, and not once have I ever heard a curse word come out of your mouth. Not once have I ever heard you carry yourself the way this letter is portraying. This letter does not sound like you. Amen. Okay. Now, I didn't have to go through the office and go through the building acting any kind of certain way. I was just acting the way I act in terms of who I am in Christ Jesus. Okay. But the whole thing is that your life is indeed a ministry. You think about that. So part of your responsibility in casting your cares upon God, part of your responsibility is how do you live your life? How do you treat your children? How do you interact towards your children? Are you quick? Are you quick to jump to judgment? Are you quick to, to, to just criticize? Or, 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 or do you do you teach them? Do you teach them by demonstrating how you are in God? By, by showing patience, by demonstrating love. Amen. Your life is indeed a ministry. Anyone that knows you that lives on your block or has associated with you for any length of time should be able to say if someone a total stranger has come up and asked them, you know, what do you think of so and so? What do you think of, and they call you by name. The person that's being asked, what do you think of them, they will have a report back. They will say, he or she is this, that, or the other. He or she is short-tempered. He or she, well, I don't know, I don't know what she does, but uh, boy, there's something about her. There's something about her. She's the most loving person that I've ever seen, and so forth. I mean, it's just something about her. Okay, so your life is a ministry. So part of your responsibility in casting your cares upon God, how are you living your life? What are you demonstrating about you? What kind of life makes a good sermon? It's the kind that reflects the fact that you are a child of God. That alone will stand out in this, in this world that is so messed up. Go to 1 John 4. Praise the living God. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. One John, little John in the back of the book there. All these electronic Bibles, you're there in light speed, praise God. Okay, praise God. All right. One John chapter four, verse number one. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Okay, underline that. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 
you can bracket or highlight the whole thing, but, but that, that part that says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. So one of our responsibilities is, again, you get some advice, you're hearing a message, be it on TV, be it in person or whatever. Our responsibility is to try that spirit. Okay? It was to say, to, to try their spirits whether they are of God. Is what you're hearing of God. Is what you're, and just because the person is using God in every other sentence, or, or every other word is God, in Jesus and so forth, you need to try that spirit. Is it really of God? Okay? Because the most skillful people can take the word of God and twist it to mean something that the word of God is not really saying. All it takes is a gifted orator, one that speaks very, very well, to move a whole nation. Look at Adolf Hitler. The Lord, Lord knows that what he was preaching certainly was not of God. But he had a whole nation going in a direction against another people. Mussolini, the same. And I can go on through history. So try the spirits. Your response is to try the spirits. Just don't go listening to anything. Just because someone that is held in high esteem in your mind utters something, don't take it as gospel, so to speak. Our responsibility is to try the spirits, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Verse number two, hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now already is, is in the world. So you need to be careful. What is that person espousing? What are they confessing in life? What is their belief system? Verse number four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Underline that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The he that is being referred to, of course, is Holy Spirit. And one of our responsibilities is that, first of all, we've got to believe that. Do you believe, first of all, that you are filled with Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Holy Spirit is in you? If you can't get past that fundamental belief, then it's very, very difficult for you to hear Holy Spirit when he's trying to talk to you. So therefore, how are you going to be casting your care upon God? How do you think God is going to answer you back? Through his Holy Spirit. So if you don't believe that greater is he, the Holy Spirit of God, that's in you than he, meaning the devil, that's in the world, then right away you've given up one of your responsibilities. Because how are you going to cast your care? You're, going to, you're not going to be able to cast your care because someone is going to come along that is being driven by that spirit of Antichrist, by that demonic spirit that's going to give you some negative information. God's going to be telling you and showing you the untruths of what that person is saying to you. God will be pointing it out. You'll feel it in your spirit if you're tuned to the Holy Spirit that's in you. But if you don't believe that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, then you're, you're giving up your responsibility in, in doing that. So how are you going to cast your care upon God when you can't believe the truth? And if the Spirit of God that is in you is greater than he, in the, than he that is in the world, then what does that mean? That means that that power that is in you, the Holy Spirit of God, is greater than anything or anyone that can come against you. Anything. So whatever situation that you're in, whether it's being demonically driven, whether whatever it is that's going that does not feel good, the Holy Spirit that's in you is greater than that. It's your responsibility, though, is to really believe it. Okay? And don't try to intellectualize it. Don't try to figure it out scientifically because it doesn't work. Believe me, I've been there, done that 25, 30 years ago, and it doesn't work. You can't figure this thing out. It only works when you just come to believe it. 
believe that the word of God is what the word of God is saying. And then you exercise it. And then that's when you start seeing change come about in your life. That's when you start seeing little, little weird things that just pop up. That just pop up. I was telling someone the other day or last week or some, some time. I mean, my, my whole life is filled with little things like that. I believe in tithing. I believe in giving and so on like that. And we've always done that. And over the many years, little sums of money just kind of pop up. I received a check in the mail for $57.94, I think. Out of the blue. It was from the eye doctor. Apparently, the insurance company overbilled or whatever. Wasn't expecting it. Oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. I'll take it. Amen. Into the bank. But that's been, it's happened all, all my life. Little things. All I'm saying is because I dare to believe what God is saying is true. I dare to believe it. Okay? And God does things that I just can't figure out. Okay? Now, you sit back and you say, well, oh, well okay, the insurance company made a, they made a mistake and blah, blah, blah. So the math is this, math is that. Yeah, okay, fine. God blessed me with it. Came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it. So all I know is that God supplies my needs. Very basic principle. Very basic scripture. So if you believe that, then that means you have $57.94 can pop up out of the blue. Any single time God decides to use another man, man, God works through human beings, you know. It's possible for God to boom out of the blue, make a million dollars show up in your room. But the chances of that are kind of nim, I think, are kind of slim. So I know that God works through people, okay? But you've got to, you've got to believe it. You've got to, you've got to hold on to what the word of God is saying here is true, okay? In verse number four, you are of God, little children, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verse five, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. The people that are non-Christian, the nonsense that they're talking, other people that are non-Christian believe it, and they follow along with it. This is why you see droves of people, whole populations of people following behind a certain person or a certain leader. And you as a Christian, as a child of God, sit there and say, how can they believe that? How can they believe what they're saying? They get on TV, get on the microphone and start talking a whole lot of stuff. And that's their platform. And how can you believe that when the spirit of God should be inside telling you that's not in accordance with my word? That's not in accordance with the word, what the word of God says. Okay. Make money for everybody. Give money for everybody. Everybody, guaranteed salary. What does the word of God say about that? You got to work. God says you're supposed to work. The whole stuff about somebody just come along and just fund everybody in the United States, give them all the salary of so many thousands a year. So where does that take you as far as scripture is concerned? If someone could do that. If you could sit back and just sit back and do nothing and go to your mailbox every week and pull out a check for a couple of thousand dollars or whatever, okay? Okay, what would that do in accordance with the word of God? You wouldn't work. God says you're supposed to work. Amen? So these are the kind of things where you have some responsibility. Cast all of your cares, but you take some responsibility here on knowing what the word of God says and make sure that the, the input that you're getting into your life is in line with the word of God. Verse number six again, we are of God. He that knows God hears us. And, and, and he that is not of God hears not us. Hereby we know the spirit of, um, of truth and the spirit of error. Okay? Spirit of error is that spirit that makes a person misquote scripture. It's called the spirit of error. That spirit oftentimes operates with the religious spirit. The religious spirit is someone that walks around and always speaking in, in godly terms. And if they're looking to be so pious and everything that you get roped into that. And you say, oh, he's such a man of God. He's such a woman of God. But you're not listening to what's being said. 
and the scriptures that they quote will be totally wrong. That's the spirit of error. I did not say that. The word of God says it. Says it, it says, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, so there's a spirit, the spirit of error. And we see that so many times. It's popped up from time to time in things that we've studied. In Bible study, it's popped up. I mean, and you will see people and things that are said that is not in line with the word of God. It's simply wrong, simply, simply wrong. And it says that he is not of God and they don't hear us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So our responsibility here also is to be able to separate out the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's our responsibility to do so. The scripture says we can live without fear because of what God has done for us. So we can cast our cares on him. God promises that he will take care of us, whatever our circumstances or what's going on in the world around us. That's a promise. That's a promise. Our responsibility is to believe it. When things are going uh, challengingly in your life and things are not where they, where they want to be, sometimes it's not easy for us to believe that God's going to take care of us. But if you're casting your care upon God and you don't, and our responsibility then is to believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Amen. Amen. What is the point of you going to work every day? Go to work every day. You put in your eight hours, your 40 hours, or 50 and 60 as some of us wind up working. Amen. You work hard. All right. And then at the end of the week or the end of the month, you go to the bank. And you're just expecting that your check is going to be there if you have direct deposit. You're expecting it to be there. If you don't have direct deposit, you expect the check, paper check. So in essence, you're casting all your care upon your employer to supply that paycheck. Right? Casting all your cares upon him. All right? So you've got faith that that employer is going to give you that paycheck. All right? We cast all our cares on God, but then we don't have faith that God's going to give us that paycheck. Right? You cast your cares on God, but you still carry the worrying. You don't go to work every single day, and then at the end of the week or the end of the month, you walk up and down, you stay up all night, and you're, you're pacing the floors. Oh, my gosh, tomorrow's the first of the month. Gee whiz, I wonder if that check's going to be there. I wonder if it's going to be in my bank account. Or I wonder if that paper check's going to be on my desk. You don't pace up and down. You've cast your care on that employer to just supply your check. Well, that's what you've got to do with God. If God is who he says he is, and trust me, he is, and you've got things that you're praying for and that you're waiting for and that you're hoping for, then, then you've got your, your responsibility is once you've told God, Lord, I give this whole situation to you, then your responsibility is to indeed not carry that care, not carry that burden, to really, really give it to him. The same way you expect that employer, you believe that that employer is going to have that bank in the, the, your check in the, in the uh, bank or in the form of a paper check. You don't, wor- you don't wind up worrying about that. God promises that he will take care of us. Whatever our circumstances are are in the world around us. People today are scared. They're scared of wars. They're scared scared of the economy. They're afraid of the government. It seems that news is a breeding ground for fear these days. So if you're listening to the news, again, this is where God comes into your life. First of all, use some discernment at, at what you're hearing. Don't just go swallowing hook, line, and sinker what you're hearing just because it's on TV, on the news. Don't go swallowing hook, line, and sinker, you know. The funny thing about it is that if you watch these broadcasts or you listen to people speak, and you're knowing deep in your spirit that, that he that is in you, the Holy Spirit of God, is greater than he that's in the world, 
You believe in the spiritual realities that the Bible, God talks about. You believe in that spirit of discernment. You will be able to look at these people that are speaking. You'll be able to listen and you will know in your spirit what's a flat out lie and what is it. You see? And the thing about it these days is that you can, you can tell where the lies are because what they often forget, unlike 50 years ago, we're living in the digital video age. <laughs> and people forget what they've said on television just two weeks ago is totally different from what they say, what they're saying today. This caught in the lies. But you'll know in your spirit without any sort of video proof, you see. But this is how we need to live in the world today. And our responsibility is, and, and the word of God speaks on these things, on being able to do that, spirit of discernment. But part of our responsibility is to understand what the word of God is saying and to, and to make up our choices, our minds, whether or not we're going to believe it. We, we as Christians know that we are safe and secure in God's arms and that we will all, he will always take care of us, even in the hardest of times. So we can indeed cast all of our cares upon him. Our lives should reflect our faith in that truth. Our lives should reflect our faith in that truth. And how would your life reflect faith in that truth? Our life reflects faith in that truth in that we don't start losing weight when there's a problem. We don't start losing our hair when there's a problem. We don't start running around in a constant state of nausea just because there's a problem that's going on in our life. We cast that care on our God. My responsibility now is to trust him and to have that faith and to be able to discern if something comes to me that is not from God. That kind of living when you're having trust and faith in God is what makes you set apart from the world. The very fact that you can go out and live unafraid is a witness and a testimony to the world. When you're walking around without fear in your life, that's a testimony to the world where you are in the Lord. And casting your cares upon God, you must also prepare to leave your comfort zone. I know I keep mentioning comfort zones these days, but it may be time for you to make a change in your life. All I know is that when I keep hearing this thing in my spirit, when I'm preparing messages here, and the thing, same, same thing keeps coming up, keeps coming, keeps coming up, then the Lord is telling me that it's something that needs to be addressed. And the comfort zones is the places that we always like to be because we are, are, are happy and we're satisfied with how we're living in those zones. We don't have to do certain things, you know. I pass by every Sunday driving to church and I see people out taking care of their lawns. I see people walking their dogs, doing with their children and so on like that. Now, granted, maybe they went to a very early service and everything, church service. But a lot of those people aren't even thinking about God because that's their comfort zone. They get up like clockwork every single Sunday and they go out, tend to the grass, do the lilies, do this, do that. And it's, and it's, it's an habitual thing, but they don't even think about God. That's their comfort zone. To get out of that comfort zone would be maybe for the first time getting up, getting dressed, putting on some church clothes and go to church. We all have comfort zones in our lives. But at this point in time, the way things are going, you need to do some some introspection. You need to do some thinking, looking on the inside. Is there something that I need to change that's in my life? That's part of our responsibility in giving our cares upon God. We, we can't be casting our cares on God and then just content to do, to do what God is telling us we shouldn't be doing and expect to get results. In closing here, let's go to John, Big John, John 17. Praise the living God. John 17. 
John 17. And let's see, we'll start with... um, John 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. Please underline that. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Please underline, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. Please underline, but thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Please underline that again. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Underline, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me unto the world... Even so have I also sent them into the world. Underline that. Even so have I sent them into the world. As for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Okay. The word sanctify in scripture means set apart. Okay. So even though um, as, thy, as for the, I'm sorry, and for their sakes, I have been set apart or I set apart myself that they also might be set apart through the truth. You see, the truth sets you apart from the world. Knowing the truth sets you apart. And if you think that's not so, look how quickly you turn down or recognize something that is not the truth, that is not of God, because you've been set apart. You think differently. You think differently. If you're a child of God and if you believe what the word of God says and you've really been studying God's world, when you hear people in the world that are saying and behaving a certain way, you don't fall into that. Okay? There's no one and all the tea in China or all the money in the bank that could ever get me to go up and be called into some big demonstration to go against something or some cause or some thought process or whatever. Not, not, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Okay, I've been set apart from that. God would not have me doing that. Okay, if God did, I would know specifically what it is he would want me to do. But just to go along with a whole crowd because the world or the population says that this is the right thing to do. I would never for all the tea in China would never get sucked into that because I've been set apart from the world. You've been set apart from the world. When you see things that are going on around you that doesn't sit well in your spirit, that's the spirit of God that's telling you that is not right. Because you're, you're just not willing to be so quickly drawn into that. I praise God and I thank God that it started at a tender age when I was still young. I still remember those words. You know, I still re- remember those words. My parents telling me, don't be a follower. Be a leader. Always telling me that. In school, my Got into trouble doing something I shouldn't have been doing. Oh, well, so-and-so did it. He did it, and so I did it. Boy, I got into trouble for that. Okay? Oh, you can always follow that. It was my father. If, if, if so-and-so jumps off the Brooklyn Bridge, you're going to go jump off the Brooklyn Bridge also? Don't be, a, don't be a follower. Be a leader. You've been set apart from the world. So think about that when, when things are coming into your life and you're trying to make decisions about what it is that you should do while you're trying to cast your cares upon God. 
verse number 20, neither, um, neither pray I for those alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they, will, uh, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, uh, which I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, uh, that they may beho- behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Okay? So what Jesus here is talking about, they are not in the world. You stop and you think about that. What is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about you, you not being on planet Earth? Is Jesus talking about this physical world? Well, obviously you are on planet Earth. So Jesus is not talking about you are not of this physical world. He's talking about something else. He's talking about your spiritual existence. Your spiritual existence. Okay? Your, um, your godly thought process is not the way the world is. You are not part of the world. That means that you should be living your life and governing your life so that you are not so quick to just follow after and believe just what other people are saying simply for the fact of believing them. Because you're not of the world. Okay? And, and, and you'll find that, you know, when people may inadvertently say to you, 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 don't, you don't do that, huh? You don't participate in that. Say, no, 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 I don't. I know they stopped ages ago, years and years ago. They used to have a football pool in the office. I don't believe in gambling. So I never participated. Next cubicle, I heard the guys over there, they were getting together for a football pool, and they said, oh, yeah, Carver's there. And the guy said, no, 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 no don't bother Carver. He doesn't, he doesn't get involved with stuff like that, which I don't. Halloween time came. They'd be decorating the office and whatnot. They knew, and I told them years ago, I can't stop you from decorating the outside office there. When it comes down to my door, I don't want anything on my door. And so they just stopped doing it, okay? I am not of this world, according to the word of God. You are not of this world, spiritually. We're talking here. So that means that when it comes down to the things of God, casting your care, your responsibility is to be strong enough not to just get drawn into what other people are doing simply because they're doing it. Or simply because it's the popular thing to do. Amen? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. People think it's a good idea. What does the word of God say I should be doing to that as a child of God? Okay? Now, you can receive this. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank. But all I will say to you is that if you go on thinking that I can just simply cast my cares on God because I've got problems and we all have problems from time to time. If you go on thinking I can simply cast my cares on God and not look at what you're responsible for doing, how you should be living your life. But you should be believing when God says this is true then you can't expect God to be taking that that care so readily. Amen. Because you're not doing the other parts that's of this life. Amen. 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 When you understand your relationship to God, you can more easily cast your cares upon him. In these tough times, we need God more than ever. Since we are the body of Christ, while we are casting our cares on him, God needs us to be acting on his behalf. Do you ever stop and think about that, that you have some responsibility and that is to act on God's behalf? That doesn't mean everyone is called to preach, like I said before, but in some way, you as a child of God, there's a ministry in your life. We all have a ministry in some form or another. 
That ministry could be to simply one person that God might send across your path. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's in need of answers or, or, or is in need of help? Amen. You need to be prepared for that. Since we are the body of Christ, while we are casting our cares on him, God needs us to be acting on his behalf. He needs us to go out and shine his light into the darkness of the world. Believe today that in Christ you have what it takes to not be afraid and to be a person that God can use to change other people's lives. What responsibilities do we have? Okay. What kind of relationship would we have with God if all we simply did was just sit back and just say, God, here, take it, take it, take it, take it, but then just go on living our lives and not trying to even do what he's telling us to do? Amen? Amen? So remember who you are. Cast your cares upon God, but do not give up that responsibility. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let's honor God with our tithes and offerings.